still in a series called Climate Change. And today's sermon is entitled, Living by God's Every Word. Can you say that with me? Living by God's Every Word. So that's how we live, okay? Who had breakfast today? Raise your hand if you had breakfast, okay? So a lot of you had breakfast, but it's not that food in your belly that's keeping you alive, all right? Because we can take food to the cemetery, and it's not going to help anybody, all right? So it's not just food that keeps you alive. It's the Word of God that keeps us alive, amen? And so we're going to learn all about that today. So it is one thing to know God's Word, and another thing to love him and obey him as Jesus, the Son of God. We will find life in our obedience or death in our disobedience to his every word. I want to say that again. It is one thing to know God's word and another to love him. So what do I mean by that? I said it's one thing to know God's word and it's another thing to love him. So some kind of way, I just equated God's word with a person. Did you see that? I said it's, it's one thing to know God's word and another to love him. So God's word is a him. God's word is a person. And God's word is Jesus. Say this with me. God's word, God's word. Is, Jesus. is Jesus. That's powerful. You've got to know that, that they are inseparable, that when you see the Bible, you see Jesus. When you, see, when you read the Bible, you're hearing the voice of Jesus. You're hearing the voice of God, okay? We will find life in our obedience or death in our disobedience to his every word. So if we obey God, we live. If we disobey God, we die. It's simply that simple. We make it complicated, but it's, it's very simple. Those that obey God, they trust in Jesus Christ as they, their Savior, and they have life. Those that disobey God, they distrust Jesus as their Savior. They make themselves a God. They reject him, and then they die. So it's all about two classes of people in this world, not white, black, not rich, poor. It's about the obedient, the saved, and the disobedient, the lost. So it doesn't matter how you praise God. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much you attend. It all boils down to do you obey his word? And his word is a person, and that person is Jesus. What an excellent class. All right, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And here we see life and death laid out out for Adam and Eve. And it says this, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So Adam and Eve had a Bible that was one sentence long. They had a law that was one sentence long that says, basically, you can eat from every tree in the garden except this tree, and if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. They had one rule to obey. How many rules? One. 
just one. That was God's word. God doesn't lie. So even if God made you out of dust and blew life into you, if you disobey what he said, you will die. Even if you're an angelic being, okay, and you, can, and you, you were made to praise God and, and you're powerful and you're glorious, if you disobey God, you'll be rejected, just like a third of heaven was cast out when Lucifer tricked the angels to serve him. They were removed from God's presence. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're the pastor, if you're a mayor, if you're a police officer, it doesn't matter who you are. If you disobey, you will die. But if you obey, you will live. How many want to live? Our desire to live should have a passion to obey attached to it. So there was the law. If you, you can eat every tree here except this one, and the day you eat this one, you will surely die. We're going on to the devil's deception right now. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verses 1, and we'll go to verse 7. And it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest or most cunning or uh, intelligently, or he had like an evil intelligence, okay, uh, of all the wild animals that the Lord God made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not, she quoted the Bible. She's quoting the Bible here, the only Bible that they knew, the only command that they had. She's quoting it. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Oh boy, where did we go wrong? So the devil comes along, and he's shrewd and very intelligent. And you know how God doesn't change? The devil doesn't change either. So he's still very shrewd and very intelligent. And he's going to, he's going to trick you into death, okay? He's not going to immediately offer you death, but he's going to trick you into death. And that's exactly what he did to Eve. He came at her saying, did God really say you're not allowed to eat from one single tree in the garden? Listen, guys, I'm almost uh, ashamed to admit that I'm a pastor and I've been a student of the word for a long time, but I didn't even catch the trick. As many times as I read the Bible, I didn't catch the trick till this morning. He was asking her a question in such a twisted way. He said, did God say that you cannot eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Wow. He knew what he was doing. He knew what God said, and he knew what God said to Eve. But he, he crafted the question so smooth that she was like, hmm, maybe this, this snake is dumb. 
You know, maybe I'll tell him what he said. And she says, of course we may eat from the fruit, from the trees in the garden. And the woman replied, so he was pulling her in. All right. He didn't, she didn't end the conversation with him. Adam didn't step in and say, hey, stop talking to that fool. Okay. The conversation kept going. And she said, of course we can eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat from. So the master deceiver and liar introduces doubt creating an opportunity for deception by asking a leading question. So even though we are full of faith, what the devil does to discourage, distract, and destroy us is introduce doubt. Doubt in what God said. Well, I know God loves everybody, but I don't know about me. I know God is Jehovah Jireh, and he promises to provide for us, but I don't know about me. And with that little opportunity, with that little small piece of doubt, the enemy is able to crawl in and begin his scheme of deception. So she answers, of course we may eat. Eve's response corrects the serpent, and she perfectly quotes God's word. But listen to this. Knowing the word... Versus doing the word is a matter of life and death. Would you agree? I got to say it again. We got to drive this point home because a lot of you know the Bible. But knowing the Bible and doing the Bible are two totally different things. Because you can know the Bible and still die. But you can't do the Bible and die. All right? When you are obedient to the word of God, you will live. But if you disobey the word, then you can die. So knowing the Bible, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I, I used to work in the jail, okay, and there was a lot of inmates that can quote scriptures better than me. But in the meantime, they're robbing banks and breaking into houses and all this stuff. So they know the word, but they're not doing the word. You cannot, we cannot be hearers of the word only. We have to be doers of the word. The more you do the word, the more you live, the more blessed that you are. Amen? What else do we learn about what Satan said to her? Listen to me. A half-truth is a whole lie. Do you hear what I'm saying? A half-truth is a whole lie. He said this. He said, and we'll see what he said here uh, in a moment. But actually, he says this. Um, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So to trick this knower of the truth named Eve, the devil had to present some truth. He, now, here's what he had to do. He had to wrap his lie in truth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just like a, a little musty teenager, all right? Uh, will skip putting deodorant on, but will spray Axe body spray all over itself, all right? Uh, put that deodorant on too, okay? You can't cover that up. You got to get fresh, all right, everywhere. But he wants to present to the world, ah, I smell so good, but you just better hope that uh, it's not a young lady that you like in class and you know her answer and she's sitting right next to you, or you're going to take her breath away. 
and not in a good way, right? So he had to present to her the truth, but wrapped in a lie. So as powerful as the Bible is, if you don't know the fullness of its truth, the enemy will be able to trick, trick you with a scripture. And not only that, false prophets will come along and they will preach some word that you know and introduce some half-truths to you. Let's keep it going. So while their eyes would be open to good and evil, they would, in fact, die, God said. Uh, we see here in verse... Six, and you know that six is the number of man, right? Verse six says this, the woman was convinced. So he bought, she bought his lie. She was convinced. So what did that mean? That, that meant that a transaction had happened. The devil's word had now replaced God's word. Ooh. She knew what God said, but he tricked her, and the Bible says that she was convinced of the lie. Something we all have to begin to dissect in our minds and hearts right now is this. Have I been tricked? Have I been convinced of anything about myself or about God that is not true? Have I been convinced of a lie? She was convinced the devil's word had now replaced God's word. You've got to be very careful of that. Don't let anybody's word move you away from God's word. Sometimes the doctors will say some things to you. You only have a certain amount of time to live, or um, you'll never have children. But God said, be fruitful and multiply, right? And not every woman will have a baby, but God knows that he can still get a baby to her, right? God can still make us fruitful and to make us multiply. But please, I was just speaking to the students at Bath Elementary uh, at a class I'm teaching there, and I told them this. They don't even understand they're being preached to because I'm not using the Bible, but they're getting the word because it lives in me, right? And I told them, listen, don't you ever let give anybody enough power to pull your self-image down. Don't you let, you can let people bring you up, but don't you ever give anybody that much power to bring you down. Church of Jesus Christ, when you know the word, don't you back down from it. Don't you allow anybody, not, nobody at a bank, nobody at a hospital, I don't care if it's your spouse, I don't care if it's an uh, 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 in-law, I don't care if it's a neighbor, we have to stand on the word of God, period. It's not about emotions, it's not about feelings, it's not about bloodlines. Actually, if Adam had done his job, we wouldn't be in this mess. If Adam, he was right there. If Adam had been a covering... If Adam had said, no, 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 that's not true, but Adam at the same time, can you say at the same time? Adam at the same time was being deceived. He was just listening. And in that moment, she was convinced, and now the, the devil's word had replaced God's word. She saw, she wanted, she took, she ate. She knew God in his word, Yet the devil knew her better than she knew herself. And this is exactly how temptation works. The devil knew Eve more than she knew herself. 
And our opponent out there, the devil, he's very crafty and very wise, and sometimes he knows us better than we know ourselves. And that is why he is able to tempt us with things, and we go after it because he knew we would. He knew we have a disposition for certain things, and we'll go after them. The devil does not ever have to tempt me with liver. He can tempt me with liver. It can, it can be boiled, barbecued, smothered, cheese-covered. I must be hungry, right? I don't care how you present liver to me. I don't care. I don't want that. But let it be anything else barbecued. Can't you smell it as soon as you walk out the house if somebody in the, bar, in the neighborhood is barbecuing? Like, mm, I wonder where that's coming from. Are they watching the grill closely? He knows you better than you know yourself. So Adam and Eve failed. God gave them a word. They disobeyed. They died spiritually. They were evicted from the garden. They could not keep God's commandments. So what does that leave us with? We need some hope. We need the living word. We needed the word to come show up and keep the word. Since man could not keep the word, let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, in the beginning, the word. And if you notice, the word, the word, word here is capitalized. It's not lowercase. It's capitalized. That means it's not talking about something. It's talking about someone. Church, can you say someone? The word is someone, okay? In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He, now we're flipping from using the word, uh, word to the word he to describe this person. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So the sermon title is Living by God's Every Word. The series title is Climate Change. So when God speaks, life happens. When God speaks, miracles happen and the miracles occur. But here's what I told the students at Bath. Whether a person tries to pull you down or bring you up, okay, they only have power to do that if you believe what they're saying. So if they call you stupid and you're ugly and if you believe it, mm, your self-esteem goes down. But if they say, you know what, you're smart and I love your smile and you're such a good friend to me and you believe it, boom, your self-esteem goes up. But listen to this as it relates to the Bible. The Bible has a lot of power in it, but only to those who will believe. Believing God gives the word of God power in our lives. Let's continue. Verse 4, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Let's skip down to 114. So the word became human 
or the word became flesh, or Jesus put on humanity. So the word of God became a man, okay? So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So, since men could not save themselves because they were incapable of obeying God's word, God sent his word, Jesus, as a man. So, Jesus Christ, the word of God, came to this earth to live life. And now his expectation of us is that we would be full of the word of God. Listen to this. The more you know the Bible and the more you obey the Bible, the more you know God. If you stay away from the Bible, you stay away from God. If you keep your Bible shut, you welcome death to your life. If you keep your Bible open and your nose in it, you welcome life to your life. Because the word of God is life. So yes, get an education, but you've got to open that Bible as well so that we might know where life is found and we can live the blessed life. We're going to see here now that the word works. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is the temptation of Jesus. Now, we just read the temptation of Adam and Eve. How did they fare? Didn't do too well, did it? They, they failed the test, right? So now we're going to see how Jesus was tempted, okay? Satan was going to come and tempt the word. Now listen, when the devil tempted Adam and Eve, he tempted the word that lived in them, and all they had was one Bible verse to live by, just one, okay? And yet they failed to recall, nope, they, they recalled the word, they knew the word, but they did not have the power to obey the word. Their lust was stronger than their love. This is dangerous, folks. When your lust for the world is stronger than your love for God, you will not obey Scripture. You will not even read Scripture. You will live to fulfill your own desires and pleasures, and that is what separates us from God. Sin has its pleasure just for a little while, but the promise of sin is death. I would rather obey God, and here, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you kids something, and those of you that haven't committed as many sins as me, because I'm the chief sinner, okay? It was fun for a little bit, but man, it'll tear you up. Sin will tear you up. Sin has flashing lights and good smells, and oh, it's just dressed up so fun, but once you get in there, you get in an immediate headlock, and it starts pounding you and beating you up, and it doesn't want to let you go, and it gets you to a low point where you have to cry out, Lord, help! Help me, God! This sin that I welcome in, it wasn't as pleasing as I thought. Now my marriage is in trouble. My health is in trouble. My finances are in trouble. God, save me! Because sin pulls you to hell. Sin pulls you away from God, and you learn that you can't beat sin by yourself. You need a Savior, and you cry out and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I don't love sin anymore. I love you. That's a powerful thing to say. Will you say this with me? Lord, Lord 
I don't love sin anymore. I love you. Can you imagine Adam and Eve on their way out of the garden? God, we're so sorry. We made a bad decision. Will you forgive us? My word is my word. My word is my word. I'm sorry. I told you. It had been one thing if he had not told them. And then the serpent came and tricked them. But they knew the word. Church, we know the word, right? Let's see what knowing the word can do for us. We're in Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will, now the, now the devil is preaching. Now the devil is quoting scripture. He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. See, Jesus is the second Adam. And Jesus said, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say. What if the first Adam would have did that? Get out of here, Satan, for, the, for God has said, the day that we eat of this tree, we will surely die. But he didn't. And you know what? We don't either sometimes. We know the word. We know what God has said. But yet we still allow ourselves to be deceived because in the moment, our lust is stronger than our love for God. And whenever the devil finds you with your lust strong and your love low, that's when he's coming to tempt you, okay? And he will deceive you and you will do the lust thing and you will break God's heart and you will not show him the love that he so well deserves. So let's break this down. Adam and Eve knew God's word and were tempted in a lush garden surrounded by food. Jesus was God's word, was very hungry, and in a wilderness was where there was no food. So the devil comes along to tempt Jesus was something that he doesn't seem to have. But what he doesn't understand about Jesus is that his love for God was stronger than his love for self. You want to know how to stay out of sin? Let your love for God be stronger than your love for self. Because when you love yourself more than God, you will sin every time. You can take that to the bank. When you love your boyfriend, your girlfriend, when you love money, when you love entertainment, when you love anything more than God, you'll sin for that thing. 
And that's where we find Eve. She loved what she was looking at. Oh, this will make me wise. This will open my eyes. And in that moment, her lust was aroused, and she took the fruit and ate it and gave it to her husband as well. So what do we learn about Eve? Eve's self-love was out of order, and she did something to please herself over God. That's what all sin is. When we do something to please ourselves rather than please God. Now, we know the love cycle at this church. We love God. I'm sorry, God loves us. We love God back. We love our new righteous self in God. And then we love others as we love ourselves. But if your self-love is out of order, You'll push God from the top spot, and you become a God, and you do what you want. And here's, 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 a, here's a nasty thing we do. We abuse his grace. We know he's forgiving. We know he's loving. And, and we're silly enough to think that we got more time to get it right than we do. So we just stay in our sin, and we just abuse and misuse the grace of God because we love ourselves more than him. And the thing is, it's easy to fake it around each other. It's easy to fake it around each other. But God knows all things. He knows our hearts. And he will allow things to go on for a little while until it's exposure time. Until he sends a Nathan, a prophet, to say, you know what, David? This is you that has done this thing. And then God, so graciously, if we will repent in that moment, David said, Lord, it is against you, and you only have I sinned and done this wickedness in your sight. True love should bring us to true repentance, okay? We should not be so stuck in habitual sin that we can't turn from it, or we need to be saved again. We need to say, Lord, save me from this thing. And if we're going to be honest in here, some of you, while you're saved, have had some struggles. You've had some sins that you've had to deal with or currently living with right now. And you need to have the sense to wake up and say, I am loving me too much or I'm loving something too much more than God. And this thing can cause me to lose my life because I am not the first human. The first humans were evicted and killed. I am not an angel. The angels were removed from his presence. I am simply one who is under the authority of God. And if I do not repent, I can lose my life. Church, it's not about being at new life. It's not about preaching. It's not about worshiping. It's not about any of that thing. At the end of the day, what it boils down to is, are you living in obedience or are you living in disobedience? Because God knows it all. And there's angels in heaven right now recording everything we do. And this shouldn't scare you. What it should do is prepare you and say, Lord, I repent. It's time to face the facts that I've been living in sin and I need to get it right. Because I can fool everybody that doesn't really matter because these people won't judge me. I can never fool you, God, because you see it all. So, Lord, help me get it right. Can we pray right now? I think we should. Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. And if there's any wickedness and sin in any of us, God, that is a stronghold, if we have been deceived just as Eve was in anything, God, would you forgive us and would you free us from this sin and this wickedness, God? No matter how much pleasure we find in this sin, no matter how much shame will be uh, revealed, God, if this sin is called out, we don't care. We would 
rather have eternity with you than fool ourselves now. So God, forgive us of our sins and help us get it right because in obedience there is life and in disobedience there is death. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the Lord's love for God as it relates to Jesus, when he was tempted, the Lord's love for God was unwavering, and he lived to please him over himself. So the devil offered him many things, but, God, but Jesus said, nope, I don't want that. I'm here to please the Father. And, and that's, that's where we need to get to where all that really matters is not us anymore, but our love for the Father. The devil said, if you are the Son of God, then command. The devil knew who Jesus was. More importantly, Jesus was aware of his own identity. You see those words up there? Love, identity, faith, and eternal purpose. Jesus knew his identity and was able to stand up to the devil and say, listen, I don't have to prove who I am. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. Every time we sin, we forget who we are and whose we are. Am I the only one that ever sins in here? Y'all looking at me like every time you sin. What you talking about? I don't sin. Every time we sin, we forget who we are and whose we are. We revert back to that Adamic state, that sinful, carnal, fleshly state, and forget the new spiritual person or people that we are in Jesus Christ. The next point. The devil recognized the power that the word or Jesus had to command and change the climate of the wilderness to a bakery. Look at how much faith the devil had in Jesus. We should have that much faith. They're in the wilderness. There's nothing around but some rocks. The devil had enough faith in Jesus to say that, you know what? This is a wilderness. You haven't ate in 40 days. You can make Nichols Bakery happen right now. I know you can. Turn these rocks into hot, fresh, who wants butter on it? But buttery baked bread. I know that you can do it. But Jesus, being strong, listen, he was a man too. He was hungry. We can't go four hours. And he went 40 days. Jesus was hungry. But he knew who he was. The trick was this. Prove to me while you're hungry that you're the son of God and make these stones bread. And Jesus says, you know what? I know who I am. More importantly than even knowing that I'm a hungry man, I'm the son of God. Whether you want me to do this or not, I know who I am. The next time the devil tries to tempt you to sin, and sin comes within, right? Did you know that sin comes within? Like the devil can't make anybody sin. Sin uh, or lust has to be living inside of there. And the enemy has to put something in front of you that you go after. And then it draws out the sin. So sin has to be in there already. The devil doesn't give you a new sin. The devil doesn't say, here, lie. He doesn't do that. There's a lie already on board. You have an opportunity to lie already. And he presents that. He gives you a chance to lie. And then you do the lie, okay? So... In Jesus Christ, man, this is good, there was no sin. There was none. So I don't have to prove who I am. I know exactly who I am. He, he knew that Jesus had the power to turn the wilderness into the bakery. How much do you trust Jesus? 
What situation right now in your life are you going through that the climate needs changed? Whatever it is, can you believe it? Even the devil believed that Jesus could turn stones into bread. Do you believe that he can turn your sickness into healing? That he can turn your finances, your financial ruin into blessing? Do you believe that he can uh, help you control yourself? Some of us need greater self-control. How do I know that? Because it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It must be something that we need help in. All right? We need help in self-control. So God is saying, I will give that to you through the fruit of my Spirit. What else have we learned? That the Word responded with the Word. As the devil tempted Jesus or the Word of God, the Word's only response was the Word. So all of you at times have arguments in your head against temptation, against sin and stuff like that, right? Don't fall for the trick. Don't you start arguing with the voice in your head with any other words except the word. Do you hear me? Do you want to win? Only fight back with the word. Don't say anything else but the word. Jesus was tempted, and all he fought back was with the word of God, all right? We lose the battle when we begin to compromise, when we begin to allow him to twist the word, okay? We must know the word so that we can fight back with the word. Jesus was saying this, I may be hungry, but I know who I am, and I am living by the Father's word. So what will we say in temptation? Men don't live by natural food or even carnal hunger. So Eve had a craving for wisdom, but that is not the hunger that we live by, but we live by every word from God. What else have we learned? That the devil decides to put his faith talk to the test. He will test yours as well. So the devil was going to say, okay, I see you're responding with the word. You know the Bible. Okay, very well. But will you live it out? So the very next temptation is when, G when the enemy takes Jesus to the high place and tells him to jump off. Let's see if you will live by this faith, okay? So if you're going to live by the word, if we're going to live by the word, then we'll have to trust God with our very life. The devil quoted the word to the word. So how well do you know the word and the author? Finally, since he wasn't hungry for food, the devil wanted to see if he was hungry for power. He kept shifting. Okay, this failed. I'll try this. This failed. I'll try this. All right. How many of you uh, sinned last week by a show of hands? You know why? Because the enemy doesn't stop trying. Did he stop trying with Jesus? Nope. So he's not going to stop trying with us either. How can we be more successful? How can we stand against evil? How can we shift the climate? By living as Jesus did on this earth by knowing the word and by obeying the word as well. So we must get to know the word and commit him to memory. I'm going to say that again. We must get to know the word and commit him, the word, to memory. 
The more Bible verses you know by memory, the more of an arsenal you give the Holy Spirit to work with to help you remember it. Those of you that struggle in certain sins all the time, what you need to do is memorize Bible verses about that sin. Memorize Bible verses about that temptation, and that becomes your arsenal, okay? And when the enemy begins to tempt you, you've got scripture to quote and live by. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when I'm being tempted by the devil to lust, I can eat a sandwich, okay, and have a Coke and eat a fry, but that's not going to make me spiritually strong at all. This man can live by food, but the spiritual man cannot. The spiritual man must have the Bible on board. How do we know this? Your biblical defense is this. Psalms 119 and 11 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ever since COVID came along, how many more of you are taking vitamin C and zinc and elderberry? Show show me some hands. You're taking more healthy things, okay? And you're trying to build up your immune system and your defense, okay? What I'm trying to tell you is that sin is more dangerous than COVID. And if you want to beat If you want to beat sin, you need to have the vaccine of the word of God. When you put the word of God, when you hide it deep in your heart, you have a defense mechanism against all sin. Because you have to understand this. The one that wants you to sin the most is a master liar. And if he is a master liar, then you need truth on board. So the Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. You stay away from that Bible. There's no defense. You stay away from that Bible. That's like going up to an ATM, putting your card in, putting the code in and driving away. That next person that comes along is going to tear you up, right? even on camera. (laughs) When you hide from the Bible, you open up your life to every attack of the enemy and you have no defense. The Bible is not just a book that Christian people read. The Bible is a book that Christian people live by. Meaning, if I close it, I have no life. If I don't hide it in my heart, I'm more apt to sin. So it's not, the Bible is not a religious activity. The Bible is Jesus on board. When you read the Bible, you strengthen your relationship with Jesus. And it makes no sense to me that so many people want to spend eternity with God but no time with them here on earth. How does that match? How does that make sense? That's like a guy falling in love with a girl in high school at 17 years old and saying, look, girl, 
you're beautiful, and uh, wow, did you make this sandwich? That was good. That was delicious. Well, you know what, honey? I'm going to marry you. And she's all flabbergasted. Oh, he said they're going to marry me. All right. And he's happy too. And then they graduate and go to separate colleges, move to separate cities. And one day at 85 years old, he finds her in the Lima convalescent home and says, honey, I'm ready to marry you now. What do you think she's going to say? Where were you my whole life? Where were you made me wait for you? You said that you loved me way back then and you didn't, you didn't spend any time with me. And I'm about to die soon, but now you want me? What do you think Jesus is going to say? We said, Lord, we love you. But then we run off and we do everything else that we want to do. Our Bibles stay closed. Oh, we come and visit them on the weekend. But that's about it. But yet we say we want to spend all of eternity with God. But most of the time we spend doing what we want to do. We don't want to have a deathbed encounter with Jesus. We don't want to stand before God and hear him say, I never knew you. Because that's the same thing that 85-year-old woman will be able to say to that 85-year-old man. Will say, yeah, we introduced, you introduced yourself to me and you promised to marry me. But as I went through my entirety of life, I never knew you. I don't know you. So do you see how you can promise your life to Jesus and how you can hang around him just a little bit, but still stand before him one day and he say, I never knew you. One thing I want you to remember about Jesus and his response to the devil while he was being tempted was this. Say this with me. Jesus, Jesus. Is, quick, is quick, alive, alive. and powerful. powerful. You see how Jesus handled the devil like a ninja master? So every time the devil lied, he said, ah, no, the Bible says this. So he was quick and he was powerful. Listen to Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is alive, quick, and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Bible works, and you can live by it. But you got to introduce it to your home, introduce it to your life, Every aspect of your life should be some Bible there. When I'm working, I've got the word with me. When I'm at home as a father, I've got the word with me. As a husband, I've got the word with me. Everything I do is governed by the word, and I find life there. Check this out. Wherever there is little word in any of those aspects of my life, I'm dying. The marriage is dying. My relationship with my children's art is dying. My job, the way I perform my job is dying. My finances are dying. My health is dying. Why? <laughs> Why? Because there's no word there. We live by the word, right? So finally, we must come to understand that the only way that Jesus knows that we love him is not how loud we sing 
or how joyful we dance or how much we give. It's simply John 14, 15, which says this. If you love me, obey my commandments. Let's stand to our feet this morning. As soon as you leave, maybe even before, there will be temptation. Since you marked yourself as a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ, that means the devil points his arsenal of lies at you because you said you belong to Jesus and Jesus is the word. He points an arsenal of situations and circumstances at your life and fires them at you. If the word is found, you will not be knocked down. If anything other than the word is found, you will be hit. Is that biblical, Pastor? Yes, it is. A wise man builds his house on the rock, right? And when the storm comes, and the storm will come, and it violently knocks against that building, after the storm comes, the house will still be standing. But a foolish man does not obey God's words, does not hide them in his heart, and he builds his house on sand. And when the storm comes, and great is the storm, the Bible says great will be the fall of that man. This climate change series has, all, has been all about this, taking your life and moving it from where you thought it was right, the way that seemed right, over to the word of God where there is life because we're dying without him, every single one of us. If you're not obeying scripture, you're dying and you're losing. And just like leaves on a tree in spring, they're green to begin with, but those leaves are dying and they don't look dead until the fall. And it's the same thing with us. We don't look dead until we get knocked down. Father, I pray for your church, the saints of God. If we're going to experience climate change, if we're going to see life the way that you desire us to see it, it's going to take some obedience from us. We're going to have to obey your word and we're going to have to read your word. There is no instant way to know the whole word of God because you can read a chapter on Monday and read the same chapter on Thursday and get something totally different from it. God, would you please reverse the boredom? Instead of us being so bored with the Bible, can you make us bored with our phones and bored with Netflix and bored with social media? God, can you flip the hunger around? Instead of us being so hungry, for natural food, and many times we eat when we're not even hungry, would you flip it to allow us to have a greater spiritual hunger where we just can't stay away from that Bible, that we're going in the Bible to get snacks, we're going in the Bible to read verses and underline them. Lord, would you renew our excitement for you, for this relationship? Father, may we not be like that 85-year-old man knocking on the door of the 85-year-old woman saying, here I am. Now I'm ready to give you what's left. Lord, may we be willing to give you our best because you know the number of our days. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. These people are not yours. 
They're going to be filled with the word of God as a defense. They're going to live by the word. They're going to love God's word. They're going to understand that life doesn't only come from bread, but from living, knowing, rehearsing, memorizing the word of God. Lord, we thank you for this message today in Jesus' name. Amen.